Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Philippians chapter 3, while you're turning, the last three weeks, two weeks, I've done this series on forgiveness. The first Sunday I preached on the forgiveness of God, how God can forgive you. We had some people testify that they were saved, that came back to the Lord as well. Last Sunday, I preached that we need to forgive others. I even preached that some of us need to humble ourselves and go talk to some people and say, please forgive me. And I've had stories. It started when I got home from church. My phone started blowing up. People who said to me, I've had the best week of my life. I've got laughter back. The burden has been lifted. Come on, somebody. That's revival. That's awakening. That's a spiritual awakening when God starts messing in you. And so I've just been thrilled with what God is doing. And if you have, if you've come here today and you you don't know the Lord Jesus, I want to encourage you to go to God and say, please forgive me. He is a forgiving God. And if you're here today and you have not, maybe you weren't here last Sunday, but you have you have awed in your heart against somebody, you need to go to them and talk to them and you need to forgive them. And, and maybe you can't go to them and you need to just to forgive them. Maybe they're dead, but you, well, it doesn't matter. You need to forgive them because it's a bondage for you. If you're not forgiven, God won't forgive you. That's what the Bible says. And if you've done somebody wrong, you need to humble yourself. Get rid of your stinking, foolish pride. That pride will send you to hell. You know, there are people that are going to go to hell because they won't forgive some. There are people that are going to go to hell because they won't say, I'm sorry. Are you hearing this preacher today? God's done something mighty in us. We we need to show it in how we live. And so today I want to talk about forgiving yourself. And I just want to read three passages or three verses in this passage, verse 12, 13, 14. Paul is writing. He said, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, I keep going, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. How many know God got a hold of you one day and saved you and you need to stay hold of him? Okay. Brethren, and all the ladies, I do not count myself to have apprehended But one thing I do. What do you do, Paul? I forget those things which are behind me. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I want to preach so bad right now, but I got to wait. Read the word. Let God speak. I press toward the goal. How many of y'all know God's got a goal for you? How many of y'all know that life is more about eating, sleeping, and going to work, going to the lake? Some of y'all are shocked. Come on, how many of y'all know life's more about th- than that? God's got something for you to do. God's got something for all of us to do. That's just context. Pastor, I have to work. You, you have to work, but that's still just context. That's not what your life is about. You know, more men put their identity in what they do so if they get fired they don't know who they are anymore 
They retire, they don't know who they are anymore. They get laid off and they lose their identity, they fall apart. My identity is not in who I am. One of these days I won't be Pastor Chris anymore, I'll just be Chris. My identity is not in what I do. My identity is in who I am in Jesus. And how I live my life for Him and how I shine and reflect Him to others and help others and minister to others. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You can be seated this morning. I begin this message today by reminding you, yes, yes. Turn, turn from your sin, says the Lord, and turn to me. You have, you have clinged to your sins for far too long. Turn to me. Turn to me and repent. I will wash you and forgive you, and I will change your life. You know better, says the Lord. And that's why your conscience bothers you and my spirit convicts you. And I will not tarry and work on you forever. So today is the day. Turn from the, your sins Turn to me, says the Lord. Somebody worship the Lord in this place. That, what a powerful challenge to our church in the spirit. I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And lest anyone be confused, if you're wondering what that is, go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and there are nine gifts of the spirit listed there. Two of those gifts are the gift of tongues and interpretation. And there are times in our church when spirit-filled believers are moved upon by the Holy Spirit to speak in a heavenly language. And we know that God wants to speak to us. And we stop what we're doing and then God moves on somebody, sometimes the person who gave the message. But another gift operates, the gift of interpretation. And in our language, which happens to be English, God moves upon somebody and it just happened to be me today to give a word of encouragement and edification and challenge to the church today. How many are thankful today you're in a spirit-filled church where God is alive and well? Hallelujah. I gave a prophetic word two weeks ago. I didn't even know what I was saying. I had to go back. My mother transcribed it for me, and Pastor Gabe sent a copy of it to me. I don't even know. You're just a vessel. It's not like you go in a trance, but you just become the vessel that God uses. I thank God he's still speaking today. I want to begin this message by telling you something you should know. A life of sin is an ugly thing. Oh, sure, there are moments of pleasure, and there are times when it seems very attractive and enticing, but usually when it's over and the moment's over, then you face the harsh consequences of your actions. Sin is a horrific menagerie of countless iniquities and transgressions and trespasses and offenses against God. When you sin, God is offended. When you live a life of sin, people are hurt. When you live a life of sin, your words and actions result in destruction and loss and pain and heartache. But I'm glad that as a preacher of the gospel, one more time I can remind all of you who are listening and watching online, God will forgive you of your sins. He is a forgiving God. If we'll just humble ourselves and come sincerely and come with faith and lean on his grace, y'all, he will take your sins and wash them all away. And he's done it for so many hundreds of us in this house today. However, 
what I have discovered in over 30 plus, 30 plus years of ministry is that sometimes the hardest thing for some people to do is to forgive themselves. I've seen it. God has released you from your debt of sin, but you haven't released yourself. Far too many Christians are allowing their past sins, sins, may I remind you, that have been remitted by God, washed away by Jesus. They're allowing those sins of the past to weigh them down spiritually, and they live with a constant sense of failure. I may be talking about some of you today. Chronically engaging in self-recrimination. That is beating yourself over your past failures over and over again. Is being unforgiving toward yourself. When you you chronologically engage in self-recrimination, when you keep beating yourself up over the past, you create a breeding ground for pathological blame. When you don't forgive yourself, you deepen and prolong to terrible consequences of sin, which is guilt and shame. Guilt, if you don't know, if you've never stopped long enough to think about it, shines a light on what you did. You feel guilty because of the act or the words or the thoughts that you committed that were, that were morally wrong, They're, your moral failures. You, you, when you're guilty, you feel bad for what you did. But shame shines a light on who you are. Shame, is, shame shines a light on your identity. When, when you are guilty, you know what you did. You, you feel bad about what you did. But when you have shame, you look at yourself and you say, I'm a terrible person. Why did I say that? Why, did that? why would anybody do that? Why would I do that to him? Why, why would I say that to her? Why would I hurt them? And then you keep going further. I'm a terrible person. I'm unworthy. I'm worthless. I don't know how anybody could love me. I don't know how God could love me. I don't know how God could ever use me. I'll, I'm, I'm not qualified. My, my past, my actions have disqualified me. I don't deserve to be blessed by God. I don't deserve to be used by God. And when you keep beating yourself up, then the guilt and the shame beat you down and bind you up. The crazy thing is, the guilt and the shame that was originally there and you asked God to forgive you of the sins that you committed, God took all that away. You're manufacturing. Listen to me now. You're manufacturing guilt. This isn't God guilt. This is you guilt. This isn't God's shame. This is you shame. So listen to me today. When you don't forgive yourself, do you know what you do? You place yourself in a kind of bondage. Do you recall the last, well, last week specifically that I told you that when you don't forgive somebody, they owe you, they're indebted to you, they're bound to you. It's like me going out here and getting the county, one of the county sheriffs and say, can I borrow your handcuffs? And putting handcuffs on some of you. You're, you're, you're handcuffed. And when you don't forgive yourself, it's like putting handcuffs on yourself. You're bound up. You rob yourself of a, listen, of a freedom that God gave you as a gift when he saved you. Are you getting this? God gave you freedom and you you bind yourself back up again over something that he forgave you of already. And so consequently you drag yourself down spiritually. 
So I want to help you today. That's my goal, my, my objective. I want to see if I can help some of you today to get freedom and liberty. Pastor, what should I do? How do I forgive myself? What steps should I take? Let me give you three. First, you have to deliberately discard your past. Deliberately throw it away. In our text, Paul tells us to do one thing, but it has two parts. Forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. The context of this is Paul has in mind the image of a runner. And no runner successfully runs if the runner is fixated on the ground that he has covered behind him. No runner does that. That's the pass. The runner is running towards the goal, the finish line. He doesn't think about the, come on, anybody listening? He doesn't think about the pass. You, you try to run like this. You're going to hurt yourself. You're gonna, it's going to turn into a comedy show because you're going to run into something. And I'm going to laugh. You are too, aren't you? Lady in our church, thinking of a story. When they first open the Y, they may be watching right now, and she knows what I'm about to tell. She's told it publicly, so I can tell it. They just opened the Y, and they had those racquetball courts with those nice glass, nice clean glass, never had any children stick their nose on it. They were taking a tour. The YMCA just opened up in Anderson, and as her husband was walking, he wasn't paying attention. He couldn't even see it was glass. He ran right into that glass. Busted his nose. She laughed like crazy. Just stood over him laughing. She thought that was the biggest thing. She told us at the office and we laughed. Now he was looking forward. But you can't look back. You look towards the goal. Listen, you can't go forward spiritually if you're always looking backwards at your past moral failures. You cannot move into your divine destiny if you're fixated on who or what you used to be before God saved you. So here's the point I want to make. God wants you to move from pining over the past into pressing toward the prize of walking with him and worshiping him and witnessing for him and, 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 and working for him. That's your destiny. So you've got to intentionally, deliberately discard your, you got to get rid of it. Second is you have to appropriate God's forgiveness to yourself. You have to appropriate God's forgiveness to your account. Okay, if you gave me a check for a million dollars, I've got to appropriate that money into my banking account. Don't you think I'm headed straight to the bank? Come on, somebody. You'd miss work for it, wouldn't you? I'd cancel appointments. I'd say reschedule them. I'm headed to the bank. I need to appropriate this to my account. Right? Would you just take the check and throw it in a drawer? No. You need to take what God has done. See, God's already appropriated the righteousness of Christ to your account. You need to go ahead and appropriate it into your head, in your mind, in your account. You need to just say, you need to say personally, I'm accounting to myself that all that's behind me. This text supports the little statement that I have made to you many times. Did you know that? Here's a little statement that I have said to you through the years over and over again. This statement is supported fully by Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Here's the statement. You all ready? You may not be what you ought to be, but thank God you're not 
what you used to be. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I, I haven't arrived. I haven't attained. I'm still pressing towards the upward prize. I've always liked, I like little one-liners. The older you get, you live by one-liners. All the older folks said amen. Y'all like that commercial with those, about that progressive about you become your parents? You'll become us one day. You watch. It will happen. My kids make fun of me, and every time they do, I said, that's fine. You're just rehearsing for when you start doing it for real. And their eyes get big. Gotcha. May not be what I used ought to be. I haven't arrived there yet, but thank God Paul said I'm not what I used to be. I am not what I once was. I have been changed. I forget those things that are behind me. I'm going to press on toward, towards what God wants me to be. Yes, you sinned. Yes, you were a heathen. <laughs> yes, you said and did a lot of bad things. Yes, you hurt a lot of people. But may I remind you, God forgave you, washed you, justified you reconciled you to himself, adopted you as his child, redeemed you from the slave market of sin, regenerated you, made you to be born again, placed you in Christ, accepted you in the beloved, caused old things to pass away and all things to become new, took your sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. The Holy Ghost lives inside of you. You're an heir to join heir with Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. You may not be what you ought to be, but you're not what you used to be. Get it in your head. Get it in your heart. Get it in your spirit. Start acting like it. So you got to deliberately discard the past. you got to appropriate God's forgiveness to your account. And third, you have to intentionally forgive yourself. Let go of whatever it is that is holding you back. Whatever it is you keep drumming up, for some people it could just be the entire span of their sinful life. For some people it could be one thing you can't get past. One thing. Y'all hearing me? One thing the devil keeps bringing up knocks you right back down again. The Apostle Paul was a terrible man before he, he was saved. Y'all know his life, right? Remember, when, if you don't remember, it's because you don't know. His name used to be Saul. Before he was the Apostle Paul, he was sinful Saul. Let me tell you how bad. His own statement was, I was the baddest of the bad. And what made it worse is he, he wrapped it up in garbs of religiosity. I mean, it's one thing if a hell's angel just punches you in the nose, but it's another thing if a preacher does. Right? The deacon does, the elder does, the church person does. He, he was the religious, but he wasn't saved. As a matter of fact, he was wicked. He was wicked. He would blaspheme God, blaspheme the name. Do you all know he hated Jesus? Hated Jesus with a passion. He persecuted the church. He arrested those people that he found that were believers in Christ, had them unjustly put in prison. They were innocent. Even had some of them murdered. That makes him a killer. You read those books, you know, Paul wrote half of the New Testament. Oh, we're so blessed by the works of the Apostle Paul. Yeah, well, you wouldn't have liked him too much before then. You would have avoided him because he might have taken you out. He was, a, he was a terrible person. But when Jesus saved him, Paul said, I've got to let go of all those bad things I've done. You know, when they stoned Stephen, the first martyr of the church, he was young, 
they, they, they said, we're going to take our coats off so we can get a little bit more velocity on the rocks. We'll just lay our coats here. Paul, you're an up-and-coming in our Pharisee organization. Would you watch our coats? And he said, oh, gladly, and I'm going to watch y'all beat the fool out of this guy. And he was giving, he was giving support and approval when they killed the first Christian in the early church. This dude was not good. But he had that encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and God changed his life. And Paul said, if I'm going to do anything for God, i got to let all that go. How? How do you let go of a life like that? You do it by fixating on the grace of God. You just got to look and say, God is not a man. God is God, and he is where sin abounds. God's grace abounds way more. There's always more grace than your sin. I want to take you to 1 John chapter 3. I think this is on the screen, verses 20 and 21. Somebody needs this. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. So, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Listen to me. I want to preach right here. I wanted to preach. Oh, I got so much I want to preach you can't always trust your heart. Now, in, in New Testament biblical concept, the heart was the seat of the emotions, uh, the emotions and, and the mind, okay? Your feelings and your thoughts. It's the seat. So it, it, it constitutes both. And I want to tell you right now, if you haven't learned this, you can't always trust your heart. heart. Sometimes you think, how many of you thought you really thought you knew something and the facts came out and you said, I didn't know, I didn't know what in the world I was talking about. We've all done it, haven't we? Oh, you were just convinced. You might have even told one or two people this is what it is. And then somebody showed you the facts, and you felt like an idiot. Right? And then there are times you just felt so strongly about something. And then the facts came out, and you realized your feelings were all wrong. You can't trust your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Even though you're saved, you can experience false thoughts and feelings. That's what this verse is telling us. Let me give you some practical examples. I've met Christians who, for whatever reason, going through a dry spell, going through a hard time, whatever, maybe a satanic attack, they'll say, I woke up this morning, I just don't feel saved. Y'all ever wake up and don't feel saved? I have. If you have, y'all are holier than me. I have had times I woke up and I just didn't feel saved. And I walk around all day, I say, I don't feel the Lord. I don't feel saved. I don't feel the Spirit of God. I mean, I just don't even feel, if I went by my feelings, I'd think I wasn't saved. But do my feelings change the facts? No. I went to bed saved, guess what? I woke up saved. It doesn't matter if I don't feel good or low pressure fronts making my head feel weird. I just don't feel saved today. I don't feel a lot of things. You can't. Your mind, you, your mind, you'll, you'll say, I, I remember. So you think, you're thinking, I remember how I used to act before I got saved. Oh, I remember. I was so bad. I was so bad. Surely God can't use me. Well, who said God can't use you? Find in the Bible where it says, because you were so bad, God can't use you. Can't find it. Look at the Apostle Paul. God used him. Peter denied the Lord three times. God used him. Huh? Noah got drunk. God used him. Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to him, and God still used him. 
David committed murder and adultery, but God used him. I'm preaching this morning. So, Pastor Chris, what do I do? Sometimes you got to stop listening. If you have these false thoughts, come on. The Bible says the just shall live by feelings. Is that what it says? No, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. You got to trust in what God did and you got to stand on it. I've had times I didn't feel saved and the devil tried to tell me I was saved and I had to go back. Y'all ever gone through dry seasons? Dry seasons are the word. You don't feel anything. You come to church, everybody else is shouting like y'all doing this morning. I'm just going, I don't feel, I feel nothing. You're going to go through those times. And those are the times when I get in my prayer closet and I have to have a little talk with Jesus, tell him all about my troubles. He'll hear my faintest cry. He'll answer by and by. And I've said, Lord, I don't feel saved. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why I don't feel anything. I went to church. I didn't get anything. But I'm telling you, God, I know you saved me. I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know you changed my life, and I stand on what you did. I stand on the, usually when I start praying like that, the Holy Ghost will hit me, and I'll start. Feel it then. You stand on what is true. Oh, Lord, help me. Always fall back on the word of God. God's word should always trump any false thoughts and feelings. He is greater than your heart. He knows all things. Don't y'all know he knows what you were before you got saved? He knows everything about it. But he knows what you are now. Come on, somebody. He knows who you are now. So you need to think his thoughts. And you could be free from the past. It's his righteousness. So God's goal is to move you from self-condemnation to solid confidence in what he has done in your life. Did y'all hear that? Stop condemning yourself and be confident in what the Lord has done. I know, Paul didn't say I know what I have believed. He said I know whom I have believed. Or even doubt whether or not you're saved, just go back to Jesus. He's a savior. He saved you. Romans 8, 1 and 2 is so wonderful. There is therefore now. Y'all with me? Yeah, it could say there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It could say that. But the Lord told Paul to say there is therefore now. Doesn't matter how I live before Jesus saved me. Right now, 10.55 a.m., Sunday morning, March the 6th, right now, there is therefore no condemnation. It's not there. To those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, watch this, has set me free from the law of sin and death. I've been set free from what I used to be. Everybody loves John 3.16. Few folks even love John 3.17. But you better hear John 3.18. He who believes in Jesus is not condemned. If you want to be liberated from self-condemnation, I encourage you to focus your intention on God's amazing grace. And if he doesn't condemn you, Stop condemning yourself. He doesn't. I'm closing with a few stories. But I want to make this statement for those, to set up those stories. This issue is important for, in so many ways. But I think it is most important 
Because God has a plan for your life. God didn't save you just to save you from hell and just so you can go to heaven. If that's the extent of the benefits and the dynamics and the nuances of salvation to you, you have, somebody has failed you miserably. He redeemed you to serve him now. We are his workmanship, his, his, his masterpiece, literally what it says, like an work of art. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Everybody here, God has a plan for your life. God has something he wants you to do. I still believe that the steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord. Y'all believe that? I still believe in divine destiny. I, I, I preached, I was a youth pastor, praised cathedral, and uh, I had a sense of divine destiny. I knew God was going to do that. I knew my whole life was going to be being a youth pastor at that church, that God was going to, I didn't know what, but I lived with this sense of I have a destiny in the Lord. And I used to feel guilty about it because I thought maybe I was being arrogant. I never told anybody until Dr. Paul Walker came to our church and spoke at a pastor's conference, and I was sitting on the front row, and as he was talking to ministers, he looked at us and said, you, every one of you in here should have a sense of divine destiny. He said, I've lived my entire life with a sense of divine destiny, and I wanted to jump off, off that pew because they had pews because that was the first time I'd ever heard anybody say what I'd always believed. I always had a sense I have a divine destiny. My life is going somewhere. God has something for me to do, and it's more than just working and sleeping and eating. Listen to me. I hope something is churning inside of you, every person in this room. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to pastor a church. That's not what I'm talking about. You have people in your lives that I'll never interact with, but they trust you. They know you. You, you can influence them. And God says, I want to use you to affect them for their greater good and for the good of my kingdom. You need to grab hold of a sense of destiny. So many people are living down here at such a low level trying to live for Jesus when God says, I want to elevate you up here. And you get up every morning and say, yeah, I'm going to work, but I wonder what the Lord's going to do through me today. I wonder what the Lord's going to do. I wonder what door he's going to open for me today. You just walk all day doing your job, but you just watch it and waiting. And God takes people like that with a sense of expectancy, and he uses them. Listen to me. The devil will do everything he can to try to stop you from fulfilling your divine destiny. If he gets you to backslide, then he's already got you. You go back to your old ways, he's already got you. If you're just coming to church and that's it, and that's the extent of your spiritual activity, he's got you. He'll do everything he can to stop you. If he can get you to have unforgiveness, he'll stop. He's, he's already won. And if he can get you to get fixated on something from your past, he'll beat you down with it, and you'll never rise above that so that God can. A number of years ago, when we started this church, Praise Cathedral, we were, we were a satellite of that church in Greer, South Carolina. Former pastor, my good friend Daryl Croft, called Bobby Johnson. He was pastoring a church Winsboro, he had always had a vision of starting a church in Columbia. He said, will you help me start a church in Columbia? 
Pastor Bobby Johnson said, you better believe it. We got one in Anderson. Let's go plant one in Columbia. So he started a church. You know what he did? He got a tent. Y'all heard of tent meetings and tents? That's what he got. He got a piece of property, bought it, and then he couldn't afford a building, so they put a tent up. Sawdust on the ground. He called me. He said, come down here and preach. So I got in a car. We took the praise team. Somebody else was driving. We were in a van. I was on the passenger side. I was meditating and praying, and suddenly the Spirit of God spoke to me clearly as you could speak to me yourself and said, you are going down there. When you get there, there's going to be a woman in that congregation by the name of blank, and he told me her name. And he said, she had an abortion, and I want you to call her out, and I want you to talk to her privately, and I want you to give her a word from me. And I knew what the word was. I was tore slap up, as we say down south. You talk about unnerved. I said, oh, God, please don't do this to me. He said, you better do it. I got there. I told Daryl about it. He said, be obedient. I said, okay. And, and so I got up and. I sang with the praise team, and that finished. It was time for me to preach. And as I'm reading my text, making preliminary remarks, the Holy Spirit said, don't you remember what I told you to do? And I stopped. I said, I've got to do this before I go any further. Probably 140 people that night. I said, I'm going, oh, God, oh, Jesus, help me, God, Jesus, help me, Jesus, God, help me, Jesus. I said, is, is there anybody in this room tonight by the name of, and I said the lady's name, and in the back of the room wearing this, I'll never forget. I wish I could remember her name, but she was wore this bright, canary yellow blouse. I'll never forget it. She raised her hand. I said, ma'am, I said, thank you so much. I said, I want you to see me after church. I said, the Lord has a word for you. Inside, I was going, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a woman here. My God, I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm, I was. I was relieved. I'm just being honest with y'all. Like, oh, God. Flowing in the gifts, is, it's scary, but you, have, you just have to trust God. He said, how do y'all do that? How'd that man give out that message? You just got to learn how to trust God. Well, after church, I'm down there praying with people in the altars, forgot all about it. I'm praying with people, ministering to people, the Lord's moving. And I turn around, I'm all fired up, you know how we Pentecostal preacher. There's Big Daryl, my 6'5", 285-pound giant of a man friend. Got that woman right beside her. He said, here she is, and he's grinning like a monkey. I wanted to punch him right so bad and knock him out. I did. I told him later, I said, I, you made me so man, I want to knock you out. He said, here she is. I got in her ear, pulled that mic down. I got in her ear as private, creating, I said, I'm going to ask you a question. I said, if I'm wrong, you tell me, and I will apologize profusely to you. I will apologize profusely. I said, have you ever had an abortion? And she dropped her head, and she said, yes. Well, if it wasn't so serious, I'd have done another one of those little internal shouts. But now we were in the thick of it. And I said, God gave me a word for you. And the word that I gave her was, God knows you had an abortion. He knows what you did. And I don't know why, but it has held you back all these years. But God says that that sin is forgiven. It's in your past. Rise up and do what God has called you to do and fulfill the calling on your life. You know what it is. And God sent me all the way from Anderson to Columbia to tell you it's time for you to get past that and begin to move in what God has called you to do. I went on and prayed for other people, and the service ended, and she sat on the front row. It's God about right where you are, and she waited on me. And when the service had ended and people dispersed, she came up. She said, Pastor Chris, can I talk to you? She said, yes. She said, I want you to know the whole story. 
She said, when I was a young girl, young lady, she said, I got pregnant and I had an abortion. She said, later I got saved. And God has called me because of what happened in my life to minister to young girls, to teenage girls, to young women, to try to help them not do what I did. She said, but every time I ever stepped in that direction to try to start a ministry, to do that, she said, the devil would get in my ear and say, who do you think you are? You killed a baby. You, don't, you, you are unworthy. Don't you dare even. And she said, I would cower and just pull back in. She said, but to my she said, but tonight you gave me a word from the Lord that says, I know what I did was bad, but God forgave me of it. It's in my past, and I'm going to step out now, and I'm not going to listen to the devil anymore. I'm going to do what God has called me to do and help people. Hallelujah. I'm telling you there's freedom when God sets you free. Jaron Lee and I were in New Market, Virginia. My son had backslidden, got away from God. Our hearts were broken. We were in a bed and breakfast. It was creating a rift in our family. I woke up that Sunday morning. He was going to be in a woodbat league in, in New Market, Virginia for the whole summer. We drove up there to get him set, and we were going to drive away, leave him up there knowing that his heart was not right with God. You want to kill a preacher, that'll do it. Why do I want to win anybody else to Jesus if my own kids aren't serving the Lord? Sunday morning, I woke up. I don't always go to church when I'm off somewhere. I go to church all the time. Sometimes I don't go to church. But that morning, the Spirit of God said, go to church somewhere. So I got on my phone. I'm trying to find what I think would be a more current church, you know. I found Maranatha, Church of God, Harrisonburg. I said, Maranatha, that's got to be, that's got to be cutting edge. Leah's sleeping. Jaron's awake. I said, you want to go to church with me? He said, yeah, I'll go with you. We threw our clothes on, put the GPS in, went down the road about 15, 10, 15 miles down 81, Interstate 81, went to Harrisonburg, Virginia. Followed that GPS. It took me in the Mill Hill. And when I got there, I got to this little Mill Hill church. Maranatha. Hey, you got to give them... Kudos for moving in the right direction. You're laughing, but me and Jaron love the Maranatha Church of God, don't we, Jaron? Walked in that building. I don't know if there's 30 people there, including the preacher. We got there in time for preaching. He slipped in the back row. Preacher was preaching. He had a good little pot belly on and had suspenders. And like a good church of God preacher, he already come out of his coat. He was preaching away. He had this beard, big beard mustache. He was preaching, Billy. And this was the title of his message. Don't let the life you live before Jesus saved you keep him from being who God called you to be. He is preaching away. I'll tell you what. He's giving his testimony. He said, you wouldn't like me. Before I was saved, he said, if you knew me before I was saved, he said, I'd lie to you in a heartbeat just to get something out of you or to get away from something. He said, I'd lie, I'd take advantage of you. He's just telling all the bad things that he did. I thought, boy, you weren't, you, I don't think I'd want to know you. He said, but let me tell you what happened. I said, 
the Holy Ghost. He said, but let me tell you what happened. He said, God saved me. Somebody got a hold of me and gave me the gospel. And he said, God saved me and changed my life. And he said, look at me today. He called me to preach the gospel. He called me to pastor a church. I'm here this morning preaching the word of the Lord to you. He said, if I got fixated on what I used to be, he said, I can never be who I am now. Don't let who you used to be and what you've done holds you back from being what God wants you to be and what God wants to do in your life. My God, he was preaching. That's good preaching this morning. I thought that dude's preaching. Amen. I'm amening him. I look over at my son. He's on the edge of his seat. God, what are you doing? That man gave an altar call. Well, I was in the church of God. I feel at home. That's my family. I got up went down to the altar. They didn't know who I was. For all they knew, I was down there getting saved. And I went down there and had myself a good prayer time. That Sunday morning, he gave just a general altar call. I came back, and my son was kneeling in the third row. I said, what in the world is going on in this place? He came back. I thought I saw him wiping away some tears. We tried to get out, but the preacher ran us down because when you got a gut church of 30 and you got a new family, you grab him as quick as you can. I'd do the same thing. I told him who I was and what we were doing, and we had a good conversation. We slipped out and got in the truck, and when I did, I looked at my son, and hot tears were running down his face. And I said, tell me what happened in there. And he said, I gave my life to Jesus this morning. He said, I gave my life to Jesus. Today he's saved, married to my beautiful daughter-in-law, who basically told him, I ain't dating you unless you get your heart right with God. Thank God for Mary Beth. Hallelujah. Love my daughter-in-law. Gave me those three beautiful grandbabies, and this morning he was on those drums playing, leading us in worship today. Are you hearing me, brothers and sisters? It's one thing to talk about a lady with a canary yellow blouse down in Columbia, but when you start talking about people in this church, some of you could tell me the same, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You could tell me the same story if you just knew where I was, Pastor, but look what the Lord has done. It's a miracle that I'm sitting in church today, Pastor Chris. You're right, but you've let go of the past. I want you to stand with me. Pastor Chris, I want to be free. You don't know. You have been all up in my mess today. Well, the Lord sent me with that assignment because he wants to get you out of your mess and he wants to set you free. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I've prayed about this altar call. Hallelujah. Just, I'm just following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I feel like the Lord's impressing me and I've done this for so many years. I'm going to do this. Every head bowed, nobody looking. And I, and I can't see. There's lights. I mean, I can see, but I don't really care. I, all I care is you being honest right now. You say, Pastor Chris, you have preached to me. I have allowed the past. Look, it might not even be your past sins from before you got saved. Some of you, it's been since you got saved, you messed up. Come on, y'all. You've messed up, and you can't get past it. You feel twice as bad now because you got saved and you know better, but now you're acting the way you are, and now you really feel bad. I'm here to tell you God will forgive you of that and set you back and restore you. Have you not heard the story of the prodigal son? Every head bowed, nobody looking. Pastor Chris, you have preached to me. I need to be set free. I have allowed things of the past. My past have held me back spiritually. Raise your hand, Pastor Chris. You preached to me. I, I need to be set free. Throw your hand up. I'm seeing hands going up all over the building. Hold it up. I, I can't see faces. That light's shining in my eyes. But I see hands going up all over 
this building. I feel the Lord. I know this is going to be hard for you. You got your hand up. I want you to step out. I want you to come to the altar right now. Don't hesitate. Just come right now. Take a step of faith. And as soon as you get down here, I want you to begin to praise the Lord. And I want you to say, God, I forgive myself. As soon as you get down here, say, God, I forgive myself. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.